With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host. Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus has lots to talk about when there's really not a lot going on. As the draft in the books, Huskers had two players drafted, Carlos and Khalil Davis, and then two free agent signings that we know of and Lamar Jackson and Darian Daniels. Uh, both kind of a surprise uh, on those guys not getting drafted. But, guys, let's start with the big news of the week. Noah Vedrill, uh puts his name in the NCAA transfer portal. And, you know, Nate, a year ago we had heard just from some sources that Vedrill was going to be able to graduate and, and be done in three years. And I remember we were at a satellite camp in, in Georgia, um, and we told a group of five coach that, and he immediately perked up and was like, man, we'd love to have that guy. And so you, you knew there would be some interest for Noah Vedrill, um, and he got two two starts, played in a game against Northwestern, won in that game. So he put together a film um, and didn't get a spring in here at Nebraska. So I, I think a lot of us understand why he has decided to put his name in the portal because in all reality, the deck is stacked against Noah Vedral to win the job this year uh, with Adrian Martinez, Luke McCaffrey, Logan Smothers. Um, so he put his name in the portal to kind of see what type of interest is out there. I think we all agree he could go for sure group of five. I believe he's at least trying to go power five. We'll see um, how that goes. But um, not a surprise, but still a blow from just the optics of losing a quadruple legacy guy, Noah Vedral. Um, and, and, you know, you just don't know where he's going to end up right now. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's connected to the program every which way you can possibly be connected to the program. And he, he understands the offense better than anybody. And beyond him uh, and Adrian, I mean, you've got a pretty young, uh, unproven group of, of quarterbacks in that room. So, um, you know, it, it does hurt Nebraska. Uh, now, on the other hand, I, I think that he's got a lot going for him that a lot of other quarterback transfers across the country don't necessarily have going for him. And, and one of them is that he has made multiple starts. He has film. Um, you know, he's he's not only played at UCF, he's played at Nebraska. Um, you know, and, and his film is, is pretty good. And so um, – and he's got two years of eligibility, instant eligibility to his name, which, you know, uh, the, the most recent notable guy that has had two years of eligibility to his name was, was Joe Burrow. I'm not saying that Vedro is going to be Joe Burrow, but if you can go out and get a, a – you know, a – quarterback transfer that has eligibility like that Bedrill's experience is about the same as what exactly Burroughs was Burrow didn't have any starts under his belt and and Vedro does so I I mean I I honestly do think that he's going to have plenty of teams after him yeah and I guess from uh Nebraska and and Vedro's standpoint it's one of those deals where I don't think either side wanted it to happen but neither 
can you know say it shouldn't have happened i mean i think noah saw the writing on the wall he's getting recruited over i mean right now with the young talent they're bringing at the quarterback position with adrian still being here his opportunity especially not having a spring to compete uh was extremely small and so you know he only has a couple more years of eligibility left go somewhere you're where you're going to play and for nebraska you know i mean like I said, they weren't really going to rely on him to see meaningful snaps, and especially with young guys are trying to groom um, behind him. It was just one of those deals where you know it's disappointing uh, in a lot of different senses, but in the end, from a football standpoint, uh, it kind of made sense for both sides. And there was a time, guys, after Adrian Martinez's freshman year where the thought was, oh, he's only going to be at Nebraska three years. I mean, this guy will go right to the pros in three. If he continues on the trajectory he's on, he was on the Heisman uh, Trophy list at number three in the Vegas board last Last year, that's obviously changed. I mean, I think today we expect Adrian Martinez to be in Nebraska for all four seasons. Um, so that that does close the window on Noah even more um, because Adrian, um, you, you, you know, he's going to be the same age as Noah. They, they're both they're both juniors right now. Um, so for him to, you know, when you have a guy that's made as many starts as Adrian, it's hard just to unseat him. Um, there's a lot more than just ability. Um, and I, I do think Noah, at least if you watch his YouTube film that they've put out, it's a nice looking highlight film. I mean, his body of work is going to garner interest. I can tell you Northern Illinois, Ohio, one and bad. Um, but it's a matter of, well, maybe a Washington state, a Boise state, a Florida Atlantic, a Rutgers. And we've even heard Iowa in that conversation. Could somebody like that jump in, Nate, and, and, and try to steal Noah Vedral? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, in fact, I, I personally – I mean, expecting that to happen, um, you know, it, and I don't know if it'll be necessarily any of the teams that you mentioned, but I mean, I think there could be many more. Uh, a lower teams, power five. Yeah, uh, several other teams uh, aside from the ones that you mentioned that, that could possibly enter the mix. And, um, you know, I mean, it would it would make sense, I, I think, for for a lot of other schools across the country to to at least be interested in giving a guy like Noah Vedral a shot. Um, and like you said, um, the the film that they've put out is I mean it's it's pretty impressive and there aren't that many guys as far as quarterback transfers that have film like that out there I think that that's you know a lot of these guys are just relying on what what they went through in the recruiting process what their ranking was and and what people thought of them coming out of high school Vedral, Vedral actually has tangible film to watch for me I just wonder how much of this has to do with the emergence of Luke McCaffrey like if McCaffrey wouldn't have uh, elevated his game uh, that last year the way that he did and put himself in the conversation to surpass Noah as the number two would Noah still be here I mean if he was still this the no-brainer number two does that give him enough incentive to stick around because you know with Adrian's injury history you never know uh, when that opportunity could come back up again but now with McCaffrey there, uh, I mean, they're going to try to get him on the field as much as possible. And if Adrian is, you know, happens to miss any more time, it's Luke's job right now. And so I just I think that that probably had as much to do with him deciding to move on and find um, better chances elsewhere um, had it not been for, for McCaffrey kind of elevating the way he did. And it's such a fine line. I mean, you think about the Indiana game, if the blitz protection is picked up there and Nebraska goes up, I would think it would have been 21 to nine at that point, And they win that game. That's a pretty nice um, you know, notch on the belt, one of the better wins of the Scott Frost era. If they put Noah in against Purdue and he wins the Purdue game when Martinez was missing a lot of downfield wide-open throws, you know, I mean, that, that's how close it is in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were moments where Vedral probably – like the Purdue game is one for 
I think Nebraska might have been able to win that game if Noah Bedrill plays that Purdue game against a very, very undermanned Purdue team that day. Um, and, and Martinez was missing wide open, streaking guys down the field, um, was not running it at his best at times. If Vedrill comes in and wins that game, I mean, I, I just think there's so many conversations there that I'm sure the Vedrill side of it, they're like, man, it was that close. And we feel like we are, we're not going to maybe get that benefit of the doubt because of Martinez's experience that he's already logged. Yeah, I think that's what makes this thing sting uh, as much as anything. The fact that it was so close to really being a an awesome story, but you know, it's just not the right time and clearly politics, yeah, yeah politics. Just... I mean, it's just the way it is. It's it's major college football uh and you know, sometimes if uh that the stars don't align perfectly, uh you you kind of have to find it elsewhere. Well, and now it it changes the dynamic of that quarterback room quite a bit. Um you know, you you had a guy who, with experience in federal who who you could probably insert into the game if if Martinez went down at any point or or whatever. Um, and you maybe had a guy, a dynamic athlete like Luke McCaffrey that had experience that maybe you could do some different things with and get you know get creative and, and kind of cute with and, and catch people off guard with a little bit. Um, now I don't I don't know if we'll see McCaffrey have any other role other than uh, being straight up backup quarterback. I, I think it does change the dynamic of that room, um, and it probably changes how they want to recruit going forward too. Yeah, that is an interesting uh, point you bring up because there aren't a lot of things where you could say Nebraska had the best in the Big Ten, but they probably had maybe the best number two and the best number three quarterback in the Big yeah. Ten. Mm-hmm. There just aren't a lot of teams in major college football in today's transfer era that can have three quality quarterbacks that legitimately move the offense in game moments. Yeah, and so, I mean, that's going to be something where uh, going forward now, they better hope Luke McCaffrey's ready. Uh, I mean, he's still a young guy that only has minimal game experience, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, Now he's going to be counted on to back up uh, an Adrian Martinez who – Injuries are a real concern right now. I mean, he's got a track record now of not being able to finish a full season healthy. And so um, Luke better be ready because probably chances are his his time's going to come. And lastly, guys, I want to hit on the draft briefly. Um, Carlos and Khalil get drafted. Um, Joe Burrow tied to Nebraska goes number one. Um, that was obviously a lot of talk on draft day. Uh, but no Lamar Jackson drafted, no Darian Daniels drafted. But first, Nate, the Davis twins, you've been with these kids and followed them from the beginning um, for you, I'm sure that was pretty cool just to see both of them drafted and um, your thoughts on how they'll end up in the NFL. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, going back to when these guys were, you know, sophomores, juniors in high school or whatever it was when when, when I first started following them in, in their process, um, getting to know them through the recruiting process and seeing them develop at Nebraska. I mean, that's always pretty cool when you when you kind of. Uh, see someone's dreams come true like that. So, um, you know, I'm really very happy for those guys, uh, really good kids, and I think they're they're going to do well, uh, you know, once they once they get to the NFL. I was surprised, though, that Lamar and Darian didn't yeah, get picked. Too. I mean, I thought those guys were the no-brainers to be the first two guys off the board, and Carlos was a, a distant fourth. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's kind of the way that Nebraska is being evaluated by the NFL right now. I just don't think that there's a lot of trust in the player development in this program that makes them NFL-ready, and you see that with just the lack of draft picks over the past four years now. Where you see in the Big Ten, a lot of the Penn States, the Wisconsin's, the Iowa's, they filled up those bottom three rounds yep. because there's just more trust in the development exactly. of those players. Yep. And, you know, the Big Ten 
didn't have necessarily as strong of a first three rounds, but the back four, the Big Ten really looked strong, and that, that speaks to the development and the depth in this conference. Yeah, and it's not just about team success. I mean, you can people say, well, Nebraska sucks, so that's why I don't have any players. There are teams that Nebraska beat that had more draft picks that Nebraska did. So, I mean, I think that has more to do with just the where Nebraska is being viewed by NFL personnel right now. They, they just kind of don't trust that uh, they're going to have pro-ready prospects that you can take a late-round flyer on the way that you used to be able to, you know, five, ten years ago. Well, and that's something that's got to change, too, for Scott Frost and his program now um, going forward. I, I think that um, now that, you know, you're running out of the other guys' players, and they're going to start to be your players now. So you better start to have these guys developed and ready to go. And speaking of their players, we're going to hear from the latest one, and Branson Yeager um, committed in Nebraska, the offensive lineman out of Utah, six foot eight. Um, he's, uh, as Nate Klaus pointed out uh, on the night of his commitment, he's the 10th different lineman over six foot six. Nebraska has signed or got a commitment from since the class of 2019. We'll hear from Big Branson next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online show. We teased earlier here that the Huskers picked up a new offensive line commitment, their third of the class of 2021 from Utah product Branson Yeager. And we're pleased uh, to get the chance here to be joined by the latest Husker here in Branson Yeager. Uh, first of all, Branson, com- congrats on your decision. I think a lot of people were surprised uh, just because obviously you hadn't had a chance to get to Nebraska, see it yet. Uh, but what led you to this uh, to make the decision and to commit to Nebraska here earlier in the week? Yeah, thank you. I just, um, everything that I've seen and researched and heard is just what I want and it's exactly what I've wanted and so I figured I know where I'm gonna go so why wait till who knows how long till I can get out there with everything that's going on right now it could be into December who knows I mean now Branson with uh with the way that recruiting is right now and not being able to take those visits just walk us through maybe some things that Nebraska did to, to make you feel comfortable. I mean, uh, as far as the virtual visits or, you know, FaceTiming or, or things like that, what, what did they do to make you feel comfortable uh, as well as your family to make this decision? You know, they just made sure to communicate really well. I mean, I was in contact with a lot of the different coaches and they obviously they were sending me stuff about them and showing me a lot of what they have to offer. And um, what made my parents comfortable was we were able to get on the phone as a whole family, which doesn't happen a whole lot just due to the fact that my parents are divorced. And so we don't get the chance to all be together very often, but we made it happen and got on the phone with them. My parents just really loved everything they had to say about me and about the program and the education and how, just how they run things, I guess. And, what they stand for and so that made my parents extremely comfortable we're joined here by, we're joined by latest Sorry. husker commit branson yeager here on the husker online show sean callahan uh nate klaus and and and, and uh, branson you reside out of grantsville utah tell us about grantsville utah i mean obviously it's not a place very many nebraskans listen to our show are familiar with um is it a big town is it close to salt lake um i mean give us a lay of the land of kind of where you're from and and, and, the, and the type of football you guys play out there yeah, so it's a small town about 40 minutes to the west of Salt Lake City. It's in a county called Twill County. Um, so there's three main high schools out there. 
and it's Tooele, Grantsville, and Stansbury. And so we're 3A, and then Stansbury and Tooele are both 4A, so we don't play them besides preseason. But um, so we're a small school. I mean, we've we kind of had the same thing where the fans are just the whole town comes out to watch. I mean, there's not much else to do on Friday nights out there. So um, lots of fan support. Um, not super crazy competitive. Like, I, I, I don't know. There's not a whole lot to choose from. Like, our 70, we've got 70-something kids on the varsity team, and, like, every single person that tries out makes the team. There's no cuts or anything, so. What is a football Saturday like in, in your part of the country? I mean, are there a lot of BYU fans, a lot of Utah fans, or is it kind of a mixed bag? I mean, who do the people in, in your area really cheer for and follow on a football Saturday? It's a super mixed bag. It's mainly those two though there's um lots of utah fans and then obviously i mean some of the byu fans are super loyal but my family's always like used to be growing up it was byu and then it kind of changed to utah and so um it's just like it's one of those it's a small town you root for the schools that's near you now, Brand, so you're 6'8", 320, 330 or so, and play left tackle, right tackle, defensive tackle, long snapper, you know, do a little bit of everything for your team. What is, uh, What have your conversations with Greg Austin been like as far as where he sees you fitting in at Nebraska? Yeah, for sure. I'll be on the offensive line, um, probably at tackle. I mean, I can play anywhere. So, But with my build, once I get the coaching and get the muscle on, I, I'll probably end up playing tackle. We're joined here by latest Husker commit, Branson Yeager. And uh, Branson, um, talk more about your relationship with Greg Austin. What, what really stood out to you about Coach Austin? And, and what do you like about what he's building right now with the offensive line here at Nebraska? Yeah, I mean, he, he's he got lots of coaching experience, obviously. He's at his alma mater, which is really cool to me. Um, I've just had a super strong relationship with him. He likes big guys, obviously. <laughs> the smallest guy is like 6'6". Six, six. Um, and so it's just everything that he's shown me and that I've seen from him is something that I want, and I believe that he's going to be able to develop me to be the best that I can be. Now, you, you kind of had a unique situation where you were being recruited by Coach Austin and also – Angus McClure, who actually coached uh, Greg Austin in, in college, um, you know, did that ever come up that that uh, Coach McClure coached uh, Coach Austin back in back in the day? Yeah, it did actually. He Coach Angus McClure was kind of giving me some crap out at, at one point, just joking around with the fact that he had coached me. He's like, "Hey, say hey, like say hello to him. He's my boy." Like just that type of stuff. We're joined here by Branson Yeager, latest Nebraska Husker or offensive line commit, and you're the third line commit here in 2021. Did Nebraska kind of give you an idea of are they done on the O line? Could they take maybe one more? I mean, did you get an idea of kind of what their big picture plans were, Branson, with the offensive line after your commitment here this past week? Yeah, so they are at the point right now where they take three offensive linemen and then they may take an offensive slash defensive lineman so someone that might play on either side so three offensive linemen for sure and then maybe one more that's kind of like a double threat i guess 
All right. Now, um, looking ahead, I know things are still kind of uncertain in, in terms of when you might be able to get to campus, but do you have a tentative plan on when you'd like to take that official visit to Lincoln with uh, with you and your family? I mean, I'm going to take it as soon as I can. Um, I've got family out in the Midwest, in Kansas, and so road tripping is not a big deal to us. So I'm going to try to get out there as much as I possibly can, but for sure we'll take the official visit at some point. How, how much, Branson, did you see or hear about Nebraska's new facilities that are supposed to break ground here sometime in the summer? I saw a lot about it. It's just super, super cool. I'm absolutely pumped. They're supposed to be done the year I get out there. So it should be super cool to have those incredible facilities. And did they do like a virtual tour with you? I mean, are they able to kind of show how, – how do they show recruits that, that can't come on campus right now? What are they doing to do that? Yeah, they do virtual tour. I'm getting ready to do sometime this next coming week to do a full virtual tour with my parents about all the academics and stuff so that they get a chance to see that as well. Now, speaking of academics, are, are you planning on being an early graduate or, or are you going to be graduating uh, you know, next May and, and then moving to Lincoln from there? I plan to graduate next May. I want to be able to experience or get through high school as much as I can and finish out throwing shot next year and just getting a chance to walk the stage with my class. So, Well, Branson, uh, congratulations here again on your decision to commit to Nebraska. We're really appreciative of the time that you gave us here on the Husker Online Show today. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. All right. Much more to come here as we just heard from Branson Yeager. We're going to hear from now uh, the latest member of the Nebraska basketball team is Robin Washett will join us back on the show next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show. As we just heard from Branson Yeager, the latest commitment of the Nebraska football team out of Utah. We're going to move now over to basketball as the latest edition of Fred Hoiberg's squad is going to join here. Robin Washington and I, as we're pleased to be joined um, here by Trevor Lakes from the University of Indianapolis, a, a real three-point specialist, um, officially joined the program here this past week. First of all, Trevor, congratulations on your decision. And secondly, uh, what has led you to pull the trigger and transfer to Nebraska? Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. But um, So really what made me put my name in the transfer portal was my coach took a job at uh, – University of Southern Indiana, where he was, he played basketball and he won a national championship playing. So it was like kind of his home school right there. Like love him, he's in the Hall of Fame. So he kind of saw that option and took it. So I kind of wanted to see what options were out there for me. And um, as things started coming in, I decided that it was best to just stay in the portal and find a different place to play. And uh, when a place like Nebraska comes, and they and I feel like it's a great fit, I had to pull the trigger. So obviously, um, when you hit the transfer portal, uh, you got a pretty big wave of attention right out of the gates. And not only Nebraska, but you know Xavier, um, Illinois, Wichita State, and a bunch of other Division One schools. Uh, how wild of a couple weeks was that for you, from you know entering the portal to making your decision to where you know you're coming from, uh, you know a D two school to doing FaceTime sessions with, uh, you know, Fred Hoiberg and you know, all these you know, yeah. high major coaches and um, getting, you know, stories written about you and all that stuff. Just Was that a pretty wild, uh, you know, span there from from start to finish? Yeah, it was. Playing Division two, you don't really get 
that crazy exposure like that with all the stories and obviously people like Fred Hoiberg and Brad Underwood or coaches like that you grow up watching their teams play and uh, it was pretty it was a pretty cool experience it was a a little bit crazy kind of with the uh, COVID stuff going on and not being able to take visits and not being able to meet the coaches in person but I felt like Nebraska did a great job doing that and kind of helping me through it because it's first time for them too and I mean I think it went as smooth as it could we're joined here by latest Nebraska basketball edition Trevor Lakes and now you come from the state of Indiana we know the backstory there it's 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 one of the better basketball states in the country I mean did you grow up like a Jimmy Chitwood I mean were you were you a guy that just shot outside all the time played basketball uh first of all did you, have you I'm sure you've watched the movie Hoosiers right I and mean, I know I know we're dating ourselves here showing how old we are but you you have to be a fan of that movie right yeah that movie's like the gospel around here everybody's <laughs> Well, I mean, what is it like growing up in Indiana? Um, you know, playing high school basketball, and, and and you know, was it your dream to to get into the Big Ten and play against the Hoosiers or play for the Hoosiers when you were growing up as a kid? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was always the thing was watching Big Ten basketball with Purdue and IU, getting to watch all, watch the high level of games growing up. I grew up in the Victor Oladipo, Cody Zeller, and Indiana years, and the Robbie Hummel Purdue years, so. I mean, it was high-level Big Ten basketball around here, so that was what always the dream was growing up. And uh, but yeah, I mean, that's Indiana prides itself on calling itself the best high school basketball state and saying like basketball lives here and grows here. But yeah, that was kind of always the dream growing up. What was the largest crowd you played at in in front of in a high school game? Um, in high school, it was probably the regional. Uh, First, or the first round of our regional against uh, Garen Catholic. I think we had like probably over two thousand, maybe. Not bad. So, uh, so obviously you're you're growing up on a, a soybean corn farm out in out by Lebanon <laughs> on a on a hoop attached to a, a barn there, and you were able to turn that into uh, becoming a forty one percent career three point shooter on almost six hundred attempts, uh, including one hundred and one made uh, three pointers last year at UIndy. Um, you know what? Can maybe for those that aren't familiar with their game beyond just those three-point numbers um you know obviously that that's kind of the the specialty there but uh, just describe yeah. your game a little bit and maybe what fans can expect you to bring to the table at nebraska yeah so besides three-point shooting i'm a very competitive and passionate guy out there i'll really just try to do whatever it takes to win i'm i'll rebound i'll hustle for loose balls and stuff like that and i feel like i'm a more of an iq heady player i no, I'm not. I'm going to be as athletic as guys at this level, so my IQ will kind of have to help me and stuff like that. And uh, but yeah, and, um, just kind of a scorer and a floor spacer on offense, and a rebounder, and just a smart player, really. So as of now, you're set on sitting out next season, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So what um, types of things do you really want to focus on um, during that year off? I mean, obviously getting a year of strength conditioning and practicing against Big Ten competition um, is going to probably help you be much more suited for that jump from D2 to Big Ten. Um, I guess maybe in particular, what types of things are you really going to try to hone in on uh, over the next year? Yeah, so you said it with the strength and conditioning. That's going to be something that's really big and something I'm going to focus on this year. But um, like skill set wise on the court would be 
being able to do more stuff off the dribble. I mean, that was what I was, uh, that was kind of the growth of my game at UND was uh, being able to do stuff off the dribble and um, get my shot off from three, like a shot fake and a sidestep dribble and stuff like that. And so I kind of want to keep expanding on that and work on my mid-range, like dribble pull-ups and ball handling and um, also improve on the defensive end because it's going to be a whole different beast guarding people in the Big Ten and this high of a level. So that's something that I'm going to for sure have to work on. We're joined here by the latest addition of the Nebraska basketball team, Trevor Lakes uh, out of Indiana. And Trevor, you just didn't become a good shooter overnight. Uh, for all of our younger basketball players and listeners on the show, give us an idea of, of just your your regular shooting routine. How many shots a week, a day do you, you try to go? How many hours are you practicing? Because you just don't get to the level of three-point shooting like you're at right now by uh, just taking a couple shots a night. I mean, you're obviously putting a lot of time in behind the scenes uh, mm-hmm. to get to this level. Yeah, so, I mean, growing up, like you said, it all started out on, in my barn. We had a goal in there and had, like, a cement floor, so it was always pretty dusty. So it was always – you couldn't really drive. It was always a shooter's paradise out there. <laughs> so that's where I that's where it all started, go out there every night and uh, shoot. And then kind of growing up and coming into middle school and high school, me and my stepdad was a assistant coach, and we would get in the gym as much as possible and shoot. And then uh, coming into college, obviously, you kind of have – a little more resources you kind of I got a trainer and you have a gym that you have access to 24-7 and a gun and person or a gun that can pass it back to you you can get about a thousand shots so really I was just shooting as much as I possibly could I never really had a set um, number that I was trying to attain or trying to get to it was just always making sure I got into the gym making sure my muscle memory stayed intact and just trying to get as much shots as I could now you're obviously joining another uh, Indiana native, uh, Kobe Webster. Uh, I assume you guys uh, had some some games and competitions against each other, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe, maybe just describe you guys' relationship. And if have you uh, you guys reached out to each other uh, since you officially became a Husker, and now your teammates? Uh, yeah. So growing up, our teams would scrimmage every year in a uh, high school. He went to Park Tudor. I went to Lebanon and. Uh, his team was a private school. My team was a small school, so you can kind of see the picture there. They always kind of handed it to us. And he was uh, he was a big reason for that. I mean, he's a great player. He can really do it all. Um, but we've reached out and we've talked. And, uh, we were at the last last Open Gym, probably both of us played in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a great player, and I'm really looking forward to playing with him. Well, Trevor, congratulations again on your decision to come to Nebraska. I'm sure uh, you're looking forward to getting up here, and, and we're looking forward to getting a chance to see you play. Absolutely, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, thanks again here to Trevor Lakes. When we come back, uh, we're going to be joined here by Husker Online intern Grace Harmon as we'll take your questions in the mailbag next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and pleased to be joined by Grace Harmon here as we take your questions in the mailbag. Grace, um, a lot going on. I mean, we had more go on this week than we thought, so uh, plenty to talk about here in the mailbag. What do you have to lead us off with? All right. From y'all's point of view, what is the uh, one thing that Scott Frost and the staff have to do better in year three than year two? <laughs> Win. Um, no, I, I think the start of the season is key. Um, I go back to even, you know, Mike Riley didn't have a lot of good moments, but just the the one good year he had, 
year two um, in 2016, they got off to a 7-0 and start. And that got Nebraska in the top 10 for a month when they weren't a top 10 team, as we now know. Uh, but I, I think that opening seven games, if he could have just a momentum-filled start where they get off to maybe a 6-1 and start or something of that caliber, that would be, to me, what they really need more than anything is to get the momentum so they can kind of get some confidence in the program and learn how to win again. I think they need to establish an offensive identity. Uh, it seems like they've been scrambling to figure out uh, how this thing is going to work at Nebraska for two <laughs> years now. And so, uh, and that starts for me with the running game. Uh, I think that was a big reason why they made the change with offensive coordinator and also promoting Greg Austin to run game coordinator was to establish, uh, like I said, an, an identity of how to run the football. Cause it seemed like they just didn't know how to do it. They were trying to run to the outside and, you know, didn't know how to use Adrian in the QB run game. And so now I think that that is going to help uh, maybe establish a base of what this offense needs to be because this Frost and his staff were hired here for offense. And right now it hasn't been nearly good enough. So it starts there. And the next layer to it is it starts with the run game. Yeah. I could not agree more with that, Robin. I, and, you know, to kind of piggyback off that, I guess, or pivot off that, I, I guess I would say uh, special teams has to ha be a huge improvement. Um, you know, they, they made a change there and they, they decided to go kind of the analyst route with uh, John Rutledge kind of running things behind the scenes and all the other coaches are going to be, uh, you know, highly involved with that as well. I think that's got to be an area of the game that improves uh, greatly uh, for, for this team to kind of take that next step. All right, with the de departure of Noah Vedral, how do they use his open scholarship this season and the upcoming recruiting season? Well, Nebraska right now only has, I believe, two that they can use um, for initials that would count for this 2020 season. So they're, it's not like you know they, they have technically like five openings right now. They can't, and J.D. Spielman could be in there as well. So they can't use like all of them on transfers for this upcoming year. So two is the max, guys, they can add. I look for Luke Reimer, maybe a Cade Warner to go on scholarship. Um, maybe um, the the punter uh, William Price step if he wins the job would go on scholarship. Um, you know we don't know what the place kicker situation is going to look like. Could a guy that wins the kicking job go on a one year scholarship? So I think you're going to probably see some of that. Um, and I'm probably missing a name or two, Robin or Nate um, on scholarship names. Um, boy, yeah. I think that kind of I think that kind of covers yeah those are probably the, the prime mostly obvious guys yeah. at least um, yeah yeah I, I think there's like four guys that they could put on um, you know in in one year type of deals if not you know who, who knows it like a Cade Warner and a and a Ryan I'd think they would probably be permanent scholarships right now yeah so you think they would lean more towards a, a longer term investment like uh, an Rhymer, whoever it may be, or would it be like a one-year kind of play, I play think, gap? Thing? I think there's different ways. Like White Missouri was given one-year one. Yeah. And, gotcha. you know, and so, like, you could probably have a Rhymer and a Warner go on permanent ones, and then you might have three or four that could just be one years and not, not guarantee it because you're obviously going to want those numbers. And I think with the way the portal and the way college football's changed – um, you know, you have to almost sign 25 every year now. You Nate. have to, yeah. I mean, I, I just think now with the new transfer rule that's going to eventually come into play, um, you know, your attrition is going to be crazy. Yeah, attrition is going to be ridiculous. And so if you're not signing at least 25 guys a year, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Um, you know, I guess another name could be Nuri Nueli, the offensive lineman. Um, for year two of yeah, his career. Yeah, for year two of his career. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I think that you've absolutely have to sign 25 a year. Um, you know, and it, to me, the maybe the bigger question is, you know, do they, um, you know, do they have how many quarterbacks do they have to take now in, in this class? Um, you know, or or you know, could they have gotten away without taking one, and now they absolutely have to take one? I, I think that that definitely impacts maybe the direction they were going to go with the the 2021 quarterback recruiting. All right, Sean, you kind of mentioned Spielman with a potential open scholarship. Speaking of him, have you heard anything on his return or not return? I'm not anticipating him coming back. If I had a guess today, um, I know um, the dialogue has been really minimal next to none between him and Nebraska since they've left. Um, I, I think in May, the, the thought is they'll have another discussion of where things are at. But um, the, the transfer rule is not going to go into effect. Um, it's, that's my understanding. The, the coaches in the game with COVID-19 don't want the one-time transfer rule to happen this year because there's already going to be a mess of things going on with COVID-19 and just trying to stage a season, let alone maybe 20 of your players deciding to leave a program and get immediately eligibility elsewhere. So um, for him to play elsewhere, he's not going to graduate that we, that we know of right now. Um, he would have to get a waiver. Um, in order to play somewhere else next year. So that will be what will be interesting. If he doesn't come back to Nebraska, will he look or pursue a waiver opportunity? And, you know, Nebraska also has to sign off on a waiver. So they, you know, are, are they just going to openly allow a guy to possibly go to a Big Ten West rival like Minnesota? There, there's a lot there to think about right now. Yeah, but that's the interesting part to this whole deal is I know schools are kind of operating as if waivers are going to be given out like candy this year. Basically, as long, all you have to do is put COVID-19 in your waiver request and go through the proper channels. And the NCAA is going to have so much on its hands. They're just going to say, you know what? Cool. You, you, you at least submitted the paperwork the right way. It's got COVID-19 in it. We're going to grant you a waiver. And so I think that um, actually opens the door, even regardless of what happens with that one-time transfer rule. Uh, this this offseason in particular, just with the current situation, I think that there's going to be a lot of guys that maybe wouldn't get waiver, waivers otherwise that are going to be granted them. And there's going to be some on the Nebraska's basketball team that are going to benefit from that as well. Yeah, I wonder if, if Spielman would have been better off waiting uh, for all this to come out, you know, uh, as far as why he initially left the program, uh, to just being able to to kind of rely on using that the COVID nineteen excuse or whatever to to maybe get a waiver. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't anticipate him being back at Nebraska anytime soon. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like his level of commitment or engagement is there to to want to be a Nebraska Cornhusker in two thousand twenty. I mean, that's just my read on it today. I, I don't think he really talks or has much relationship with very many guys left on this team. What do you got next, Grace? All right, got one for Robin. From your years recovering recruiting, um, is it a safer, easier bet to take transfers than it is to take a kid out of high school and develop him? I mean, I guess it, it's hard to say because uh, the transfer portal is um, at the, bi the biggest it's ever been right now, and it has been that way, uh, getting bigger and bigger every year. Uh, so, and that's high school kids as well. And so you know, I think a lot of with high school kids, you better have the opportunity for them to come in and play right away uh, if you're going to keep them happy. With transfer guys, you know, they aren't necessarily – wooed by the glitz and glamour of facilities and you know the, the name on the front of the jersey so i think honestly with transfers you're dealing with guys that older players that know what they want and have a better understanding of the situation they're getting themselves into so um honestly it, it's hard to, weird to say but 
With transfers, sometimes there's more stability in the sense that, for one, they don't have as many chances to move on to a different school. But two, uh, they're a lot more grounded and mature about the decision they make to come to your school in the first place. All right. Do you guys think there will be a 2020 college football season this year? I believe so. Um, I think it's just figuring it out how, when, and what you do. Um, Does it start on time? And if it does, are there fans or no fans? Um, If you delay it, how long do you delay it? Is it a month? Um, You know, I I looked at the math. If you started on the last Saturday of September, you could play a 12-game regular season, and then the 13th week would be December 19th, which would be your Big Ten title game. So you'd have no – um, you'd have no bye weeks. I mean, that's a possibility. I'm not a fan of this split the season talk or play in the spring. I, I just, but if, I mean, I, I get it if, the, if that's the route you have to go, but I just don't know how many people are going to get behind that. Yeah, I think more realistically is you have uh, an altered schedule to where, you know, maybe your non-conference games, if you still play them, are going to be more regional, where your travel is limited, where you can bus and, you know, have better containment uh, of your players. Uh, I think that's there's some logistical things you can do where you can still play those games, but it just will look different. So, yeah, I do believe there's going to be a season. It's just a matter of uh, how they operate it and how much you know travel is impacted by that and what that does to the scheduling uh, as far as this 2020 calendar yeah I, I agree with you there and also you know what it does to the fans are, are fans going to be allowed to to actually watch the games in person or or you know how are they going to control the the crowds and um and all that i i don't know how that's going to look either all right, time for one more, Grace. What do you have? All right, what was y'all's favorite part of the draft this year? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things. I, I just think being in the homes of all these different players and coaches and GMs from Jerry Jones's yacht to Cliff Kingsbury's um, power flex of showing um, his awesome place that he had. The, the, yeah. I mean, who took the picture, by the way? Like, did he hire like yeah. a professional photographer? Yeah, his, his professional Instagram photographer, yeah. That, I mean, <laughs> that, Andy Reid just wearing like a Hawaiian Tommy Bahama shirt at, at his table. I actually really like that part. I thought it was going to be a total disaster, but the fact that we were able to kind of see these coaches in their element a little bit more and. Uh, my favorite part was Mike Vrabel, the, the head coach yes. of the Tennessee Titans, who had some like long shot. And if you look at the background, not only is there a guy dressed up like that, uh, the runner, the sprinter, the freeze, the freeze yeah, <laughs> some dude wearing the freeze suit. Uh, if you look in the mirror, there's pretty close to a guy looking like he's sitting on the toilet. But he wasn't really sitting on a toilet. So they say. I choose to believe that yes, he was sitting there taking care of business while they were making their pick. So yeah, I mean, there were so many things like that that. Uh, I mean, the, the list was endless, and I would honestly think the NFL probably uh, might have to reevaluate the draft process because I think a lot of coaches seem to prefer the way that it was handled this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean considering the, how many people were spread out, I, I felt like it went pretty smooth. Um, I got a good laugh out of the, the Giants draft, Robin. Hey, come on. Um, <laughs> the, the GM wearing the mask inside of his own office – and he's like two feet away from like the world's biggest TV, that, the thing on the table. That had to be like a 70-some inch TV, and he was like two feet from it. All right, so some backstory. He's 68 years old and is a uh, 
recovering from cancer. Okay, and so now he, I feel like and he's in New York. <laughs> so I mean, like he is like the most at risk person, and they had someone there filming him. So and you was, can tweet him at at Nate Klaus. Yeah. <laughs> he, he wasn't alone in his room, which I okay. thought the same thing. So I, 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 I had the same reaction. I was like embarrassed. Like, what are you doing? Because he couldn't even figure out how to put the mask yeah, no. on. That was the worst part. But there was reasons why he was wearing the All mask. Right. How about the Jerry Jones phone guy? Yeah, that oh, was good God, too. Jerry, don't even. He's like the villain in every like Bond bad guy movie where like he. Did, he has a guy that like cleans his glasses for him. I saw that would happen at a game, and now he has a guy that holds his phone up to his ear while he talks. Like, give me a break. Were you guys ABC, ESPN, or NFL Network? ESPN. ESPN. I was ABC because of the college guys. I like to see Herb Street and, yeah, and, I, and the, that group of college guys more than – and Trey Wingo. By the way, what did Scott Frost do to oof, him? My man. God, did he – take his high school girlfriend that, back in the day or something? That was I mean. unnecessary, well, yes. And the other thing, too, like the first night especially, every pick was like, oh, and congratulations. And then it's like he had major tragedy. Oh, like, yeah. It was like <laughs> every, it was just like a major downer. It's like after every draft pick, it was like, well, he earned this because his whole family got killed. It's like, yeah. well, Let's find the worst thing that's ever happened to this guy in his <laughs> life and put it right after his 40 time. <laughs> Hey, Goodell was cool too. Watching oh, him, I mean, what, <laughs> Goodell. But from from pick one to thirty two, that guy really uh, had a drop <laughs> off, didn't he? <laughs> he lost a lot of steam off that fastball. There, there was the one end. point where he's holding the draft card upside down. He's like slouching, like barely even keeping his eyes open. Man, he, he was, was like the, he was rock, the struggle bus. He was like the rock star that doesn't know what cities he in, he's in. He's like, "Thank you, Cleveland, <laughs> Denver, <laughs> whatever." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he forgot what year it was. I mean, he, he had a rough go at it. So hopefully next year, if they do it that way, he, he's got some caffeine on him. All right. Well, did you watch the draft, Grace? I watched parts of it. I worked some, so I didn't have a chance to watch the whole thing. But it was just fun seeing the inside of everybody's homes, seeing the players and their element and... All the embarrassing girlfriend moments were pretty good, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that, that concludes the mailbag. At that point, we won't get into the girlfriend talk because that could be another few minutes of talk. But uh, when we come back, we'll close the show. More recruiting talk with Nate Klaus. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show, final segment of the show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we're going to talk some recruiting here. But before we get to that, our segment here brought to you by our good friends at Kugler Vision as elective surgeries uh, begin to open up. Nate, tell us the latest news going on at Kugler Vision. Yeah, elective surgeries are going to be opening up soon, but until they do, you can still go to kuglervision.com, uh, take the quiz to see what vision correction is right for you, and have the online call, consultation with uh, with Dr. Kugler, Dr. Stunts, and the whole staff there. So I uh, highly encourage you to check that out and uh, um, you know get, get back into seriously thinking about improving your vision in 2020. All right, uh, Nate here. We're talking recruiting now, and uh, we heard from Branson Yeager. Um, it was great of him to join the show. We haven't had a lot of recruits come on over the years, um, but it's easier to reach kids. They're all home now and, and able to talk and, and stuff like that. So um, number one, we never got your thoughts. So what, what do you think of Branson Yeager? How surprised were you? When did you kind of get word this was going to all go down? Yeah, I got, got word, you know, within a day or two of his announcement that that, uh, you know, he was getting close to making a decision and that Nebraska was kind of the team to beat. Um, you know, and, and really, I had known that you know, the offer from Nebraska meant an awful lot to him uh, ever since they made it. Uh, he was supposed to visit for the March 14th Junior Day. And of course, you know, that all got got canceled because of the, the COVID-19 outbreak and everything. And, um, and I know he was really, really bummed about not being able to make it because he felt like 
Um, had he been able to make the trip, he would have he would have gained the offer from Nebraska, and he was looking forward to that. And uh, because there was months and months of dialogue between he and Tony Tuioti and Greg Austin, kind of leading up to um, that junior day, and so he was really bummed out about that. But the Huskers came through with an offer a couple days after uh, what after that junior day would have happened, and so. Um, you know, from talking with him about that, he was really, really excited. Um, and, and things, his recruitment really jumped off from that point in time. Um, I know he, he picked up BYU, Virginia, Vanderbilt, uh, Cal, all boom, 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 right, like right after the Nebraska offer. And so, um, you know, he had a lot on his plate and, and everything. But, you know, one thing he always told me is that he, he's that he was not kind of a – he didn't like to play games. He wasn't going to BS anybody. And whenever he made a decision, he was going to be done with it. And, and um, you know, he, I think as he went through the process, um, how however different it may be right now, uh, he eventually decided, you know what, I, I know I want to be at Nebraska, and so I'm going to go ahead and, and pull the trigger and commit. And he seems like a good cultural fit. Just hearing uh, him talk about where he's from, a smaller community, blue collar, you know, 45 minutes or so outside of Salt Lake. But, you know, you compared it, Nate, to maybe a smaller class B or a class C one type of environment he's from. Yeah. And he's from a small town. He likes he's an outdoorsman. He likes to be hunting. Uh, he likes to go fishing. And, and so, you know, that's something that he really connected with uh, Scott Frost on, uh, you know, because Scott Frost is an outdoorsman, too. And so, um, you know, and, and I think that's just kind of a throwback uh, offensive lineman. You know, he, he plays kind of nasty. Uh, he's big. He's obviously a massive human being, but he, he's an outdoorsman. He's got family in Kansas. He, he likes the Midwest. Um, you know, he, he wanted to go somewhere where he felt comfortable, but also wanted to go somewhere away from home so he could kind of grow and develop as a person and as a man. And, um, you know, it all kind of, it all kind of, you know, fell together for Nebraska here. And, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's a good, good fit along the offensive line. I think he could probably play, I think he'll probably play a right tackle, maybe even slide inside at right guard eventually. Um, but I, I, I do think that uh, you know he fits the mold of what they're looking for, and, and is a good pickup in this in this O line class. And Nate, you pointed that out the night he committed. He's the tenth guy they've signed or received a commitment from since the class of 2019. That's six six to six foot nine. Um, there's only been one that's shorter, and that's Ethan Piper. Yeah. He's six four, and he's probably slotted as a center. Are we looking at a deal? Um, where guards are going to be 6'6 at Nebraska and, and tackles are going to be 6'8. I mean, is that kind of the direction uh, this is all heading? I think it is. And, you know, I, and I think Nebraska's um, the way they're kind of operating this whole deal is they're wanting to get tackles. They're wanting to recruit tackles for the most part. And, and if they don't work out at tackle, then they can move them inside. And I think they just want big athletes up front. Um, and, and to me, you know, and, and the coaches have kind of talked about this uh, a handful of times where they've mentioned how they want to be kind of a throwback, you know, Nebraska physical run team, but they also want to be an up-tempo spread team at times too. And, um, and I think that's the type that's, you know, kind of indicative of the type of uh, athlete that they're recruiting up front. They're, they're getting big maulers up front, but they're also all really athletic guys. And, um, you know, a guy like Branson Yeager, who's 6'8", 320, 330, uh, he moves extremely well for being that big. And and he's just scratching the surface of, of his potential. I mean, he's coming from a small town. He's never worked with a personal trainer, really. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's just he, – he's not um, very developed 
developed and, and um, you know, been able to work on all the nuances of being an offensive lineman with with an outside source other than his, you know, his own high school football coach. So and he'll readily admit that, hey, I need to I need to lose some weight and I need to get better in my pass blocking and, and get better at a ton of different things. So um, but he is a big, massive athlete and, and Nebraska can work with that. And um, and I think the job Greg Austin has done recruiting the offensive line since he's been here is, is really phenomenal. Uh, when you look at the types of pieces that he's brought in and, and the types of players that he's been able to, to get, uh, you know, signed at Nebraska. Nate, now the offensive line has three uh, committed already for the class of 21. Um, you heard Branson say that there might be a fourth, but they, they want a guy with some versatility. Um, can you shed some more light on that? Yeah, so you know, it, you heard Branson say that there there might be a fourth, and but that that fourth player will probably be someone that could play on either side of the football, much like an Ethan Piper when he was initially recruited. You know, he wasn't necessarily slated as an O lineman or or as a D lineman. He was brought in um, as someone who could play on either side of the football, and and that's what uh, you know that's what it looks like. Nebraska is uh, going to be adding at that fourth, uh, you know, that fourth spot there is somebody who could play. Uh, o-line or d-line and so it'll be interesting to see you know what what they end up doing there um, now if there's further attrition uh, going forward obviously that's going to you know manipulate some of the numbers and and i wouldn't be surprised if if maybe they do end up uh, adding maybe two more uh, pieces to, to the o-line class where one of those guys is maybe a swing player could go on either side of the football um, you know marcus and is out of wisconsin that uh, that Nebraska is is hard uh, recruiting heavily, um, and and I think that they've already set him up for an official visit. They just offered Tyler Morrow, who is uh, out of Davenport, Iowa, who's a big giant, six seven, two hundred and sixty pound uh, offensive tackle too. Uh, so and they actually offered him the night that that uh, Branson Yeager committed. And so um, I think there's still a couple pieces out there that they're recruiting that they would take in this class, and uh, it seems to me that things are a little bit uh, fluid at this situation. Yeah, and, and as far as where things go next, Nate, I mean, do you have a read on anything else brewing on the recruiting scene that we should follow here in the coming days, weeks? Yeah, you know, I, I think as far as, you know, maybe the, the next to commit possibly to Nebraska, um, you know, Jalen Noel just just uh, is a wide receiver out of the Kansas City area, Park Hill High School, uh, just narrowed his list down he, he, from about 13 schools. He was at five. And narrowed it down to uh, Nebraska and Iowa State right now. So he cut out Wisconsin, Iowa, K State, um, and and it's just Nebraska and Iowa State. And and he felt like, you know, that was the best fit for him uh, was was those two schools and and the the two schools that he had the best relationship with. And he mentioned specifically the relationship that he's built with uh, Matt Lubick, the new offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach, and then Nathan Shieldhouse uh, at Iowa is the one recruiting him and. Uh, you know, he's a Kansas City guy uh, and he's a fairly young guy, too. So, um, you know, I, 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 I like Nebraska's chances there. You know, he told me that he would ultimately like to take both of his official visits uh, to Lincoln and Ames before making a decision. But, um, you know, depending on, on how things kind of unfold here over the next month, that uh, decision could come sooner rather than later. So uh, that's that's one player in, in, in particular that I would point to, to, to for fans to kind of keep an eye on. All right, well, lots to follow here in the coming days, weeks. We know recruiting, as far as um, official business on and off campus, is shut down to at least May 31st. But uh, May 4th, we'll find out more from the Big Ten as far as could organized workouts start soon. So uh, make sure you are on HuskerOnline.com as we will keep you up to date with all of the latest. 
Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.